0: Hello podcast listeners, I have a very inspiring podcast for you today. It is with Michaela Wilkes. Michaela Wilkes is a 29 year old activist, mother, student, and administrative assistant living in Waldorf, Maryland. She is also running for Congress to fight for everyday Americans who have been forgotten in the halls of Congress. She's running on a platform of environmental, economic, and social justice to ensure that every single person has health care, housing, a living wage, and a livable planet. What's really exceptionable about Michaela is that she is running against Denny Hoyer, who is, a, for those of you who don't know, a pretty big-time politician who has held that office for decades, probably as long as I've been alive. And uh, he is also someone who takes a lot of corporate money, someone who feedback from his constituents is often that he's fallen out of touch with a lot of the needs of the people in the district. Michaela is, as you'll hear, is a very inspiring person. She is committed to showing up whole in her campaign, including sharing her own stories of being in the juvenile criminal justice system from a young age, which really stemmed from unaddressed grief and trauma in her own life. And instead of just staying there, she got inspired and fired up that the ways that she was not taken care of by the system around her were ways that she was going to show up and take care of others. Particularly, she was inspired by the, the Justice Democrats out there right now, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, and seeing their example of running for office on a platform of care and empathy, uh, she decided that she was going to take on this, this giant. And so her campaign is really building some steam right now, um, moving into next year's um, primary to see if, uh, if things can change. I was lucky enough to get to meet McCallum in person a few weeks ago, and she's just a, a wonderful person who has a lot to share with those of us around her. Also, Micah and I are going to be hosting a fundraiser for Michaela in our home on November 10th in the Washington, D.C. area. So podcast listeners, if you are interested, I would love for you to come. There's going to be a link to learn more about the fundraiser and even if you can't come, to be able to donate to Michaela's campaign. You can also donate and learn more about her campaign at Michaela2020.com. Our conversation that follows uh, addresses so many important topics, including why somebody with very little background and connections in politics would decide that they would want to run for politics in general, how unaddressed grief can inform our self-care stories, and and how the most empowering thing we can do in those moments is learn how to help others get what we were not given, and ways to practice self-care through our political participation particularly really honoring where we are challenged in our life, be that by the overwhelm of working more than one job, of feeling like there's never enough time, that we're so stressed out all the time, and instead of making those personal problems to start to look at the bigger system of, of how we can start to enact change with people around us. So finally, I just want to share my own personal reflection on why, why this podcast is going to sound so political. <laughs> And and just my own experience with with politics is, is that I never really identified with feeling political. I always thought that was for somebody else. I thought that the political conversation felt really negative. It felt like just games. I felt like nothing would change. And over the past few years, I've had a real uh, awakening for myself of consciousness of realizing that one, that's a, that's a privilege, and that. Being able to check out of politics is something that, um, that that is because I have the privileges that I've had in my life. And that tuning into politics and realizing that not only is, is, can I potentially help other people through my own political participation been, been heartening for me, but it also has shown me what, what a self-care practice it is to show up and to care about our, our whole system and how that affects everybody. So this podcast is really for, for you out there who feels like, ah, oh, just politics, not for me, and to consider that, that maybe it's just that politics has not been really meeting you in your own sense of empathy and compassion. Michaela is a person who is going to speak directly to that as she does in this conversation and hopefully inspire you even if you can't vote for her if you don't live in her district to inspire you to potentially think about the ways that you can participate in politics in a way that really furthers your own self care to not only help you but to
1: help others.
0: Hi, Michaela. Thanks for being here.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me.
0: It's such an honor. I, I really love your story and what you're doing in this world. And I would love to share more of your story with the listeners of this podcast. So what motivated you to run for office, especially against such an established politician like senny Hoyer? And then because this is a self-care podcast, I would really love to get the self-care angle on this. So. And your story also, like, how has becoming more politically motivated become influenced by your personal self-care?
1: Yeah, so I decided to run for Congress based off of my circumstances and just seeing how regular working class people weren't quite represented um, as I felt they should be by people who we elect to be into office, people who we trust to look out for our for our well-being. Um, And that is definitely tied to self-care because the things that I went through are things that everyday people go through, you know, having to struggle trying to survive on minimum wage, being at $7.50 an hour. You have children, you know, you have bills to take care of, health insurance, um, you need to put food on the table Um, in these circumstances. Um, made me want to run for office because it's like, okay, I know I'm not the only one going through this. What is my representative doing to help people that are in my situation? Um, And when you tie that to self-care, it's because we have to think about how all of these things affect us, right? It's more than just affecting us financially, it takes a toll on you mentally, physically, and emotionally. I mean, and you don't even have to have children to to go through these things. but just being an adult trying to survive in in a world such as ours, in a country such as ours, it, it gets hard sometimes. Um, and you need uh, you know, legislation to help out with those issues, which is why, you know, I'm fighting for things such as Medicare for all, which is very important, especially when you're dealing with self-care because part of self-care is taking care of your body, right? It's making sure that you can go to the doctor and not have to worry about, you know, high co-pays or deductibles or what doctors in your network, you want to make sure your health insurance is covering, uh, mental health care as well, because sometimes we all need that outside person to talk to about the things that we go through on a day-to-day basis. Um, and these things are important to me.
0: Yes, I love all of that. And, and I think it's so powerful to look at, I think so many people think of self-care as this thing that we just do inside of the limits of our own body and mind. And yes. what I hear you saying is really that like we can take our self-care, but we have to look at the societal influences that affect our self-care as well. Yes, of course. Well, what connections do you see between practicing authentic self-care? And I'm not talking about this concept of just buying stuff or doing masks or Mm -hmm. getting massages, but like the real self-care stuff of like honoring your own needs and setting boundaries and desires and and speaking up when you see something you don't like and progressive politics these days.
1: Yeah. So when we talk about these issues and we talk about like self-care and what it means beyond, you know, just buying things for yourself, we have to be able to take care of ourselves beyond just being able to take care of ourselves financially. You know, one example I always like to use, and I was talking to a coworker about this the other day, and I swear she said it better than I could have ever said it. Um, You know, she was like, I spend too much time at work to come to a place to work and not be happy working there. And something as simple as that can affect your self-care right because especially when we're working these jobs and we're not getting paid enough and we're still struggling you know that affects us that affects our minds that affects us emotionally that affects us physically um and that's something that we have the power to take control over you know we can vote for representatives who are going to fight for living wages so that we don't have that burden on our shoulders like oh my gosh. You know, how am I going to put a how am I going to put a meal on the table today? How am I going to pay this light bill? You know, oh, my gosh, I spend so much time at work. I need more time at home. Um, And because, you know, one thing that I also would like to promote is being able to work remotely from home, because a lot of us who have especially administrative positions such as mine, most of my work I can do at home. And that allows me to have more time with my family. That allows me to save money on childcare, which is so a big significance that allows me to not have to fill out my gas tank every week because it's expensive and also the maintenance from having to travel back and forth to work. So to me, you know, when we tie self care to, to legislation and to politics, all of that goes together and we have the power to change that. We have the power to elect people into office um, that is going to look out for our interests in that aspect so that it's more so, personal than political
0: so i hear a lot of people talking about how they are like turned off by politics or they're just not a political person and i'm speaking to like myself three years ago really when i say this but other people <laughs> i talked to as well because i was like i'm i really i don't like that conversation it feels really negative to me that people are playing political games and i, I know this is my privilege that i was able to do this but i just kind of like checked out of it and mm-hmm. um, it's been my own journey over these past few years that has been influenced by a lot of different factors of being like, wow, that is a privilege. And I, I'm going to choose to like tune in because I see that this is not something that I can tune out of and feel good about myself or an in integrity with myself. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to hear, why do you think people do just say like they're not a political person? They don't come out to vote. They don't think politics are for them. And, and also, what do you want people to understand about the power of political participation and how... This does relate to like a more progressive stance in politics, like all the things you're talking about,
1: yeah, well, I will say i I too did not want to be involved in politics. I wasn't you know, I wasn't very politically engaged, um not necessarily, um because I thought the conversation was negative, but because I felt like it lacked empathy. I felt like politics lacked empathy, I felt like our political officials. They lack that perspective that, you know, yeah, you're enacting legislation, you're creating laws, but there's a disconnect between politics and people. And that's what uh, and that's one of the issues that I have um, with my current representative, Steny Hoyer. Is that I feel like he lacks that empathy, um, that you know politics actually do affect people, and it it puts that negative stigma on politics to people, you know, like you who think, you know, who thought that the, the that uh, political conversations were negative, and then also people like me who just po- completely gave up on the political system because it's like it's not even about us, it's about corporations, you know, Congress is ran like a business. You know, it's not ran based off of what the people actually need. It's based off of, you know, self-interest and corporate interest. Uh, but that's where our political power comes into play. Um, and that's where we have a chance to actually make that change. And what people have to realize is that your voice is everything and voting is your voice. We have a democracy here. And I would just encourage anyone to take advantage of that democracy and to just look within yourself. You know, if if you find yourself stressed out because of your circumstances, you know, everything can be tied back to politics. If you're unhappy with your job because of the wages, if you're unhappy with your job because of the commute, if you're unhappy with, you know, you being able to provide or not having enough time to yourself or just, you know, everything is just running amok, we have a chance to change that. And that's what voting is about. Um, it's about voting for people who you trust. It's about finding that candidate, you know, in your area, whether it be a federal race or a local race that represent your values. And you're like, you know what, if I vote this person into office, you know, I feel like they will fight to make my life a whole lot easier.
0: I, I, something that I've been so inspired by in these past few years of candidates like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, just like like, wow, she's like a real human being. She really cares about people. And I I don't feel like she's just giving me a speech when she talks. Like, I think she really cares. And so I I think it's candidates like her and candidates like you that, that have given me hope and inspiration that, that, you know, really good people can get involved in politics and those good people can come together to form a movement. And that's how we change things.
1: Yeah, because that's exactly how you change things. I know, um, similar to AOC, similar to Bernie Sanders, you know, this is more, it's, to me, it's so much more than politics. This is a movement, you know, and this is a movement that didn't just start today and it's not going to end today. But in order for this movement to work, we need the people, Um And that's why, you know, I'm very, you know, glad that you invited me to be on your podcast to be able to talk to people about how self-care connects to politics and how we can use that together to make our circumstances better, right? Because that's what it all boils down to is changing our circumstances so that we are comfortable and so that we can live healthy lives without being stressed out and have to worry about things that should actually be considered human rights.
0: Yes. Yes. And I I think so much of like what I what I see people's self-care blocks coming from is a scarcity mentality. And Mm -hmm. and I see what is wrong with politics as being scarcity mentality on a large scale of there's not enough to go around. I have to hoard. And I really do think that people who just are like billionaires, multimillionaires are (laughs) hoarding. And it's, there's actually this yogic principle, which is about like non-hoarding, <laughs> like don't take too much for yourself, not because, you know, it's, it's bad, but because it makes you miserable inside as well. Yes. And, and so, but the, I think the antidote to scarcity is abundance and realizing yes. that we are enough, that we have enough to go around, but we have to practice that with each other and remind each other of that all the time.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Well, I I see your story as one of abundance because you, well, can you talk a little bit more for those who haven't heard the story about that, why you decided to run for office and like the actual moment where you were like, I'm going to do this?
1: Sure. So, um, you know, growing up, I kind of had it a little bit, a little bit rough. Um, my aunt, uh, she died in the, uh, in the attacks on 9-11 at the Pentagon and I was about 11 years old. And I, it took me like about two years to process her death um, because they never found a body. So for two years, I'm just thinking, well, maybe she's still out there. And, you know, I ended up rebelling a, around the time where I actually was able to come to terms with, you know, OK, she's gone. She's not here, um, you know, because I was I was like about 13 or 14. I started hitting milestones in my life. You know, I was entering high school, maybe got my first, you know, little boyfriend and meeting new friends. And she wasn't there for me to share that moment with. And um, she was basically like, you know, a second mom to me because my my dad was murdered, actually, you know, while my mom was pregnant with me. Um, And so I started to skip school and, you know, like run away from home and instead of having someone to talk to, I was immediately welcomed with open arms to the juvenile, uh, criminal justice system. Um, I was incarcerated as a juvenile for skipping school and running away from home instead of them giving me someone to talk to. And, um, you know, the counselors and everyone at my school, they knew what I had been through. Um, when it first happened, I got called to the guidance office, maybe like once just so they can make sure I was okay after that, that was it. Um, And so from that point on, um, going through that, I decided that I actually wanted to take up studying psychology. Um, So I started going to college. I majored in psychology because I wanted to work in juvenile detention centers um, and I wanted to work in adult prisons to be able to talk to these people who were incarcerated because I saw what happened to me when I was at a vulnerable moment in my life. Um, And there was no one there for me to talk to and I wanted to be that person for these people. Um, but when I became an adult, I was again, um, introduced to the criminal justice system, um, being incarcerated for driving on a suspended license because I could not afford to pay, um, traffic tickets. Um, again, at this time I was making a $7 and 50 cents an hour, which goes back to, Um, you know, people, you know, reacting to things based off of their circumstances. Um, And when I was incarcerated for that, I had, you know, they put me in solitary confinement. I was pregnant with my daughter, maybe like about six or seven months pregnant. And they saw my pregnancy as, um, you know, a reason for them to have to, uh, quote unquote, have to monitor me 24-7. So they put me in a jail cell for the entire duration of my stay. And I got to come out for like an hour. So that's basically with solitary confinement. When you're in prison, they call it 23 and one because you spend 23 hours in a cell and one hour out. Um, And there were women, there were women in there um, who were stuck there For like $100 of bail money, they couldn't make phone calls to call a loved one to come and bail them out uh, because the phones cost. You have to pay to use the phones in jail to call anyone. Um, And at that moment, I was like, you know what, this is not, you know, this is way bigger than the the, the individual. This is way bigger than the people who are incarcerated here. Um, This is a systemic issue. And it needs to be looked at and something needs to be done. People shouldn't be put, you know, in jail for minor traffic offenses or, you know, um, nonviolent crimes such as possession of marijuana. You know, there were uh, there was one woman, uh, one woman who was incarcerated because she went to the mall and she stole clothes for her child. And, you know, these are things people are doing things to try to survive and automatically they're met with this system that is just waiting to just eat them up and just consume them and it becomes a cycle and I got caught in that cycle um and at that moment I immediately was like you know I want to get into politics I switched my major from political up from uh, psychology over to political science and at that moment I decided I need to run for congress one day um It didn't exactly happen overnight because because of my background and because of the type of person I was, I wasn't what a regular politician looked like. I didn't have the polished background of having a master's in law and, you know, having a family or having connections to the political world. Um, And so to me, I thought, well, you know what, I need to graduate college first so that I can be taken seriously. Maybe I need to let time go by because people are gonna look at me like I'm a criminal. Um, but then when 2018 came and I saw like AOC and like Ayanna Presley and Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Talib, and just like seeing all these people who never worked in politics a day in their life, especially AOC, seeing someone that was just normal. But the one thing that she had that qualified her to run for office was that she cared and that she could start a movement. And then I was like, you know what? I don't have to have all these fancy things. They can't intimidate me anymore to make me feel like I'm not good enough to run for office. If a regular person like AOC can run and win, then so can I. And that is the moment that I decided to file for office and run for uh, Maryland's 5th Congressional District.
0: Wow! Oh, I'm so happy you're doing this. <laughs> and I so appreciate you sharing your story. I I really believe in that that we can take the experiences that happened to us in our life and you went through some really hard ones and we can self-destruct with them especially if there's a mm-hmm. lot of grief underneath them all or yeah. we we can like have our heroine's journey is what I call it where you like take it and you um, you really alchemize it and you really use the, the thing that you weren't not given which was empathy and you give that to other people and I think that's like the healing journey is that you understand that you can give others the thing that you didn't get um, yes and I, I see you doing that right now. It's so powerful.
1: Yeah, and because, you know, actually, I I had not even planned on using my experiences because of the stigma that comes with it, because of the stigma that comes from my lifestyle and being impoverished and being incarcerated before. It, it's so stigmatized. Like, I was kind of, you know, kind of afraid of what people might think of me. But once I came out with it, like it was so amazing how many people had been through these exact things and even if they hadn't been through these exact things they could resonate with it and they were like it's normal like you don't have to be afraid of this you don't have to be a part of the stigma break the stigma share your story we can relate to it let people know what you know what other people are going through and use that and move and move your movement and that's what we've been doing ever since so, what
0: have you learned about self care since moving into being a candidate for this election? I know your your campaign is just really <laughs> picking up some steam right now, yeah. but what's what's felt challenging? What self care has been helpful for you?
1: Oh, I've learned a lot about self care since becoming a candidate for Congress. Um, one thing, the biggest thing that I would say that I have learned is setting boundaries. Um, Because a lot of the times when we think about setting boundaries, we think about setting boundaries for other people and other things in our life. We don't think about setting boundaries for ourselves. We think we're, you know, superwoman or superman. We have to do it, especially being a mom, because I know you're a mom, too. It's like, you know, you want to be the best mom. You want to be the best this. And it's like you have to set boundaries with yourself and let yourself know we only have 24 hours in a day. You don't have to do everything today set time aside for yourself. And that's something that I had to learn myself, um, especially in the beginning of this campaign. Like I almost burned myself out from going to so many events and just thinking that I had to do every single thing um, until my campaign manager, Dash, um, he, you know, asked me one day, he was like, are you okay? Like, how are you doing mentally and physically? And I told him, and I was like, I'm feeling a little bit burnt out. And he was like, well, maybe you should take a dare to, you You know, of rest. I took that day or two of rest and I felt so much better because guess what? I took those two days of rest and the world did not end. (laughs) So, you just, for me, this whole process has just taught me to, you know, think about time management, but think about time management, setting time aside for myself. Even if it's just five minutes a day, like sometimes when I'm at work, if I'm feeling too flushed or overwhelmed, I'll go and sit in the bathroom and just sit there and just decompress for about five minutes just with my thoughts or I'll go outside and take a walk and just be with my thoughts um, you know, on my own. Uh, but that's a few of the things that I've learned, along with having a great support system, because I think a support system is important when we talk about self-care as well. Um, which I've been very fortunate enough to have a wonderful support system because I have my mom, my aunt, I have my friends. um, And, you know, our volunteers on the campaign, we basically become like families. So, like, I can vent to them about anything. Like, if I'm feeling too stressed out, they're always there for me to talk to. Um, So that's a big part um, of this process as well is just having someone to talk to um, about, you know, your feelings and what you're feeling at the moment. Um, and that really helps me out a lot.
0: I'm so glad you have people who are helping helping you along and supporting you. I think yes. behind every powerful person, <laughs> what we don't always think about is how many people are holding that person up. Yes. What Thinking about the people out there who are listening to this who just feel overwhelmed in their lives. I feel like the same thing, <laughs> like I'm working so hard. And it's just feels so hard to pay the bills. I'm really trying to take care of myself, but this feels like there's never enough time. Mm-hmm. What, what do you have to say to them? What message do you have for, for people out there who are just trying, but they feel like they're struggling?
1: What I would say is that time is definitely the only thing that we have in this world that is everlasting. And I would just tell anyone out there, because I felt like this myself, today is not the end. We always have tomorrow. And as long as you feel like, you know, when you feel like you're at your lowest point, when you feel like you're just so low, just remember, if you feel low, you can only go up from there. Build up off of yourself. Build up off of your circumstances and just do your best to set that time aside for, for yourself build a support system or work with people, um, you know, around you that will support you. Talk to people. Um, Take care of yourself because it's more than just physically. It it has everything to do, you know, with with being uh, taking care of yourself mentally and emotionally, because our circumstances will take a hold on us. I mean, I don't make seven dollars and fifty cents an hour anymore, but I mean, I some of us, you know, we feel like our jobs never end. You go to work, you come home, that's your second job. Then you wake up in the morning and do it all over again. Uh, but you just have to remember that, like I said before, time is everlasting and we always have time to improve ourselves. Don't ever give up. Don't ever feel like you're not enough. Don't ever feel like time is wasting. Don't ever feel like you don't have enough time. Because if anything, you know, stories like mine that are just like so many other people you can always change our circumstances. Like there's nothing written in a book. Nothing is written out for you that this is your destiny. Like you can have control over your destiny, but you just have to remember that. Uh, because a lot of the time uh, when we do start to feel like that, you feel out of control. You feel out of control because you can't pay your bills. You feel out of control because you can't, you know, do certain things. But we just have to remember that we are in control and we have the power. We just have to know how to use it
0: wow yes thank you for sharing that <laughs> I felt <it>. <laughs> yes <laughs> so, and and I so agree with like about the bottom thing I really felt that when you said it. it's like if you're in the bottom the only place you have to go is up and and just yeah to honor the bottoms are powerful spaces like I I, I don't know if you would be where you are right now if you hadn't hit such low bottoms like just hearing your and- story <laughs>
1: I really wouldn't have. And I have because I have a lot of friends that are homeless, like really like they sleep outside and in buses and in abandoned school buses. And I tell them all the time, like, I know that it seems like right now things are never going to get better. But just think of it as you have a whole clean slate to do whatever you choose to do to help yourself. And, and I let them know I'm here to help you, too. But don't think of it as this is the end because it's not, you haven't even started yet. So
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't believe the stories that people have about you because you have a hard time in life. It's like,
1: yeah. that
0: Like, <laughs> like, yes, you are defining your own story. Thank you for saying all of that. Yes. So what does self care mean for you?
1: Self care means to me, um, just, taking care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally, um, making sure that, you know, throughout your day that you remember yourself, that you remember that, yeah, you have to take care of all these other things, but you have to take care of yourself. You have to take moments out to just, you know, woo saw kind of moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, Don't let too many things stress you out. But to me, self-care is talking about your feelings, you know, talking to outside people about how you're feeling, what you're going through. It means taking time out of your day, even if it's just a five minute shower. If you, you know, if you have a lot going on and you can't necessarily have the chance to take a bubble bath, take that moment out. I mean, some people even meditate, um, But to me, self-care is just realizing that you are only human and you can only do so much. But that is okay, (laughs) you know, because if you don't, you know, you will you will be no good. You'll burn yourself out. Um, So definitely when we think about self-care, just it's the saying within itself, take care of yourself in every single way possible.
0: Can you tell people more about your campaign, particularly ways that people can help support you to do this awesome work that you're doing right now?
1: Sure. So if anyone wants to support me, um, you can or learn about our campaign. Um, you can definitely hit up um, our campaign website, which is www.makayla2020.com. Um, you can also reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, the handle for each of them is at meet Michaela. Like I want to meet Michaela. (laughs) Uh, So you can reach out to us that way as well, or you can send us an email. I'm very accessible, um, because I want to make sure that I talk to any and every person who reaches out to me. I'm doing my best.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's, and your best
1: is absolutely good enough. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, and for those of you who are in the Washington, D.C. D. area, Micah, my husband and I, we are hosting a fundraiser for Michaela on November 10th. So if you were listening before this in the show notes, there is a way that you can sign up to come and I get to meet you in person, too, which would be great. And also you get to meet Michaela and hear her inspiring story in person and meet a lot of other really like minded, progressive, self-care focused people in the D.C. community. So we're really looking forward to having you over, Michaela.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too.
0: Awesome. And also, and if you can't make it, that's fine. But you can also use that same link to make a donation to Michaela's yes. campaign.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to make a donation, which we're always taking because we don't take corporate money, no, no. Um, you can make a donation at wwwmichaela 2020com slash donate. Yes.
0: Wonderful. And it's something that I did not understand about politics that I'm learning to do is to look when I'm looking at candidates or uh, politicians to look at how much of their um, campaign funding comes from corporations versus private donors. And especially yes. like the candidates that are being funded by small donations, like under like thirty dollars, that yes. that's a sign that those are people for the people by the people. So you your yes. campaign is most definitely <laughs> being built on small donations. Please don't think that you giving $20 is too little, like we need lots of people. And that is actually like exactly the kind of campaign that Michaela is running. So I highly encourage you to find your website and donate to her to support this, this beautiful work of spreading empathy in the world. Thank you. Michaela, thanks for being here sharing your story, inspiring us all, helping us to get a a new stance on politics, perhaps, if we are feeling a little bit checked out. And I wish you the best of luck going forward.
1: Thank you, Gracie. I enjoy being on the show.
0: Aw, thanks a lot. And for everyone listening out there, I invite you just to take a moment to reflect on this conversation, to think about how you feel about politics. Where are the points that you have gotten turned off, disillusioned? And how could really thinking about politics as being spreading empathy, spreading care, help to reframe what what your political participation could be? And and to think about ways that you could get involved. I really love what Michaela said about like, we have the power, but we have to realize that for ourselves. And to think about how that not only maybe requires some self-care to get there, but that could be an act of self-care for you. So thanks a lot, everyone. And I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.